Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Pilot Light, uh, a podcast where we watch a pilot and then we talk about it. My name's David. And I'm Sam. This week, we watched New Girl, uh, which aired on the 20th of September 2011 on the Fox Network. Who's that girl? It's New Girl. girl. It's New Girl, yeah. Um... So I've seen all of I've seen all of this I think apart from maybe the the, the most recent season um, probably not while it was airing but like the second it came on any sort of streaming platform I would have thought yeah and I've watched uh, maybe the first three or so seasons I didn't actually realise that there it's were now pretty seven. good for you Sam it is yeah I didn't really realise there were now seven seasons of this so that's a bit of a treat really because this and is they're show. all on Amazon Prime and on Netflix. And not they also on Netflix. Oh, yeah. excellent! Yeah, which Wonderful. is a bit of a new ph- phenomenon, isn't it? Actually, you're getting them on both streaming services. Presumably, the exclusivity deals aren't as good as putting it on multiple services. You know, for the content releases, so they're they're kind of spreading their bet a little bit. Yeah, and I think maybe like that's to a point, and we'll get we'll touch on more this more later. Maybe that this show is bigger in our minds than it actually was, mm, mm. and we'll touch on that as we go forward. Um, but like, I think if this is quite like a seminal um, sort of sitcom, but maybe it wasn't, you know, as hard hitting as that. But before we go any further, we should maybe maybe discuss. We should maybe state what the actual premise and the plot of of this episode are. Sure. So after a breakup, uh, Jess, an offbeat young woman, moves into an apartment loft with three single men. Although they find her behavior behavior very unusual, the men support her most of the time. That's our usual IMDb summary, and I think that encapsulates it pretty well. Um, it, we've got a, a, a good cast and a good premise, and a pretty well-made show here that I think is is is, is damn good, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yes, uh, very much so. Um, so, yeah, like you said, so um, this this the show's called New Girl, and it's. Uh, the Zoe Deschanel plays the sort of title character, titular new girl, um, and she's called Jess. Uh, and she's sort of the main character, but not in an overbearing way. It's much more of a protagonist-driven show than, I don't know, for example, Friends, for instance. Um, but it's, you know, it's not as singular as that. It's quite yeah. it's, qu- it's quite happy she, to take she's an episode the, where... She's the planet that the, 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 the other planets orbit around, you know, and they're all exactly, they're all equally exactly. significant. But I think she's the kind of main driving force you know, like in terms of the A plot is probably to do with her, maybe Nick later Mostly, on. Mostly and it kind of like I've seen more of it than you, so I'm not sure you've got to this point, but I think season one of the latest seasons, Zoe Deschanel was pregnant, so she she was wasn't in about ten episodes. And like, and th- that should give you some hint as to the strength of the other cast. That is not that noticeable. Mm. You know, she's sort of like on the end of a phone once or twice, but it's that sort of level of, you know, we've seen it before. But it's, I think, you know, it's it is an ensemble cast, I would say, but maybe didn't initially start as non. Do you know what I mean? As as, as maybe thinking it would be that, you know, ensemble-y. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you could go either direction, couldn't you? And have. Um, it all be about her, but actually, and as you say later on, and even in the pilot, there's you know each of the characters has a decent arc, um, or at least most of them, and so you end up 
getting to know them all really and actually it's quite satisfying to have a show that's that's like that um a bit like friends or you know all these other type of ensemble comedies where you can kind of get a little bit of each character in a way that's quite quite nice it tells you enough and it like it's a 22 minute pilot which is um you know pretty interesting that they managed to establish what five characters quite you know, in quite decently within 22 minutes is, is quite impressive. Yeah. Um, so let's have a just a larger discussion about the cast now before we sort of move forward, and then we'll know who we're talking about and all that. So as mentioned, Zoe Deschanel is sort of like the star of this this program, um, and she's kind of playing herself. I don't <laughs> mean that to sound like that, but uh, like well, pretty well, much a lot of the things Zoe Deschanel's in, she's playing this sort of like floaty, offbeat. floaty, offbeat. Big round eyes. Yeah, like you know, oh, life, life isn't life cool, and and actually, that's you know, obviously, who knows what she's like in real life, but I think she has said there's an element of her in in this character in terms of maybe the optimism and maybe that kind of floatiness, which is very endearing to watch. Certainly in in this and other films that she's in, um, Five Hundred Days of Summer, which has yes, uh, um, the, I think the only two films I really sort of would recognise her from. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, obviously, she plays um, sort of female lead in that, and Almost Famous, in which she has like a supporting role. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if you've seen Almost Famous, but you've almost definitely seen Hitchhiker's Guide because we're British and it's in the law. Yes, yeah, so we have to. And I, yeah, I have seen that, and she's good in that. And she's, as I said, she's good in Five Hundred Days of Summer as well with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes. Um. So that's kind of, yeah, I think she's she's pretty she's. She's probably like B plus list. Do you know what I mean? In terms she's, of... she's she's Hollywood mafia. Um, and I, 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 I don't know. I wouldn't go that no, far. No, she explained that. She explained that. That like, I think Zoe Deschanel, especially after New Girl, is a like you know a big name and a, a star and it's definitely a name people recognise. But um, both of her parents work in the industry. Her mother's an actor and her dad is a, um, a production designer or something. Um, and her sister's also an actor, so that's what I mean by Hollywood mafia. Kind of like, she's not somebody who moved to LA as a struggling actress. She's you know kind of born into it in a lot of ways. Not that's a bad thing. It's just a, a thing. Mm, yeah, yeah, fair enough. But she's good. I think she's great in this. I think she's really um, is able to lift a show and and you know do all the things that she needs to do really really well. And you know, she, I think she brings decent uh, comedic ability and also seriousness and i think there's a nice cringiness <laughs> what's that sorry cringiness yes yes the yes, show's she's... a really good example of like people doing things and you're like no 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 don't do that yeah <laughs> and yeah. they do it anyway yeah she and yeah she's she's kind of awkward and nerdy as well which i think is a good a good character trait you know i think it's awkward and nerdy and like i think a good it's a good commentary on real life that she's like quite frequently doesn't know how to deal with a social situation yes which i think is something that maybe a lot of te- a lot of sitcoms kind of gloss over, um, but you know, is a real thing. Like lots of people struggle with really lots of really basic social interactions for absolutely no other reason than you know sometimes it's hard to know where the other person is coming from. And that kind of sums up the entire show, really. And and, and uh, the other characters embody this, especially probably are um, Nick, who is played by Jake Johnson. Yes, he's. Um not really the male lead, especially not early on, but he becomes the, uh, I mean, spoilers for New Girl, which came out nine years ago, um, but he becomes like Jess's love interest sort of in the later seasons. Um, 
so he's kind of like the you know first among equals, as it were, of the of the of the male cast, I would mm. say. And he's excellent. Um, he's he's not in much that I necessarily know him for. The only thing I wrote <laughs> down was his voices Peter B. Parker in Into the Spider Spider Verse. Um, Who's Peter B. Excellent. Parker? What's he's kind of like he's Peter Parker. He's fat old Peter Parker. He's like <laughs> fat schlubby. Like Mary Jane's kicked him out and. And you know he lost his job at the bugle, and and he's you know he's in his early forties and he eats a lot of pizza, and he's from an alternate universe, um, and he's so he's Peter B. Parker, and it's voiced by Jake Johnson, and it's it's really funny, it's really really good. Um, you should definitely that's a recommend to to you, Sam. Watch watch Into the Spider Verse. I haven't I haven't um, seen that. I haven't seen that. No, I do like the um, the, the expanded universe Spider Man stuff. I think it's really good. Yeah, um, but he's also in, and we'll touch on this more when we talk about the director. He's also in No Strings Attached. Which is a it's a film that came out the same year, um, which is how he got this role, I think, because that's also involving um, Merriweather, who's the um, writer and dire- um, producer for this show. Great. And then we come to my favourite character, probably in the whole show, certainly in this episode, um, which is Schmidt, who is played by Max Greenfield. I think he adds his performance. I think in this is just brilliant. And I think we'll we'll we'll, we'll get into he's it. He's very very good. He's he, very. He manages very good. to play this kind of douchebaggy, um, bro character. Except none of the other characters really accept that, and they're like, you know, why are you talking about that? And as soon as he does something that's, um, it's like an affectation, isn't it? It's, yeah, he he's, he's putting it on because that's what he's kind of expected to do almost. And I think it's it's really it's really really funny and i think um max greenfield does a, a fantastic job of really selling that and you just completely buy that this guy is a total douchebag because he's actually entirely insecure and you know uh, not really again able to deal with like the realities of being an adult <laughs> and they kind of established that even in this episode that like you know he's this is a persona he's adopted to kind of like you know he wants to be cool and so this is what he thinks is is cool and and that's how it's interplay with the other characters and and how he acts especially with his like secondary friends we meet at the bar later and stuff it's you, that really gives you a sort of window into like don't make fun of me don't make fun of me don't make fun of me which is kind of like the core of this character really yeah um and i know him he I think we're about to say the same thing. I think I know him from Veronica Mars. We should all watch Veronica Mars instead of listening to this podcast because it's a better use of your time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he's in Veronica Mars um, and he's really good in it. He's a recurring character. Um, And and he's playing quite a different character, but like he's just... He's really funny, and there's just this sort of warmth about 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 Max Greenfield as a guy that sort of like comes across on the screen really well. Yeah, I really like him, and like I said, I think Um, he's just I think he's absolutely fantastic in this. Yeah, and he's also in Ugly Betty, but that's not a show I've I've really I've really seen. He is in Ugly Betty. Yeah, Nicholas watched that a few times and um, a lot, and that's yeah, he is in that, and again, he does a really really good job with what he's tasked to do. You know, I think that's you you can't really ask more from an actor than that sometimes. Absolutely, and like you said, he's kind of my favourite character in the show consistently because there's this real like um, as a character, he's written to be like quite vulnerable, especially compared to the other characters. you know, because Nick's kind of basically Joey Tribbiani in, in a lot of ways. Um, and we'll, mm. we'll get into that in a minute. Um, and uh, we'll talk about Damon Wayne Jr. as well in a second. But Schmidt is kind of like this... Like, you, you hate him, but you kind of, you know, you really root for him at the same time. Because, yeah. like, every character in this is a, you know, they've got a heart of gold. And that's kind of tropey in, in TV, but, you know, every one of them is 
a good person. They very rarely do something like knowingly hurtful or damaging or you know, quite frequently unknowingly, um, almost every episode in fact. But no, you know, do you know what I mean? It's 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 very moralistic in that way. And Schmidt kind of embodies that. He's a very nice guy who doesn't really, you know, at his heart want to go out and hurt anyone or screw anyone over. Yeah, and just has that facade. And um, then we come to Hannah Simone, who plays Cece, who is a quite small character in the in the pilot, isn't she? But she actually becomes um, probably one of the main, you know, up there with the main cast in terms of going forward. And she plays uh, Jesse's best friend. Yep. Um, she's a model, and that's kind of all we learn about her. I think maybe in this episode, and as I said, it's as it as we progress, we we learn more about her a bit. Yeah, and we're sort of establishing this pilot that she's quite a strong-minded individual. Like she comes into the apartment and she meets the guys, and they're all leering at her because she's a model. And and we, you know, it, there's one thing in this show that doesn't ever quite rings true. It's that like um, <laughs> all these guys who are you know pretty good looking and, and dress pretty well, and Jess, who's very good looking and dresses very well, are like completely apparently in awe of this other character who is very good looking and dresses very well. And it's kind of like. You're you know all I mean? beautiful. There's, exactly, exactly. And not, I'm not to say you're not to you know anything, but they, you know there should maybe be more between this like this pinnacle of beauty that we're told Cece is, and I'm not saying she's not, and these other characters. There's, and anyway, so there's this scene where they're all leering on her, and she's basically she puts them in a place and says says you know I'm not I'm not putting up with this, and that kind of establishes her character. Like I will brook no shit. Yeah, and she's good, and she's. I think there's a nice, um, we, and we see much more of this later. But there's a nice little interplay between her and Jess, where she's kind of, you know, bigging her up and saying, "Look, just, you know, just go on the date, go on the date. And if it's if it's all terrible, you can go in the toilet, and you can phone me." Do you know what I mean? So you you do see that nice relationship, and it's a very very quite realistic relationship as well. I'd say between two women, you know, having that type of that type of chat. So I think. Yeah, again, she's she's a good um, good addition to the cast. Absolutely, um, and then uh, lastly, I suppose um, um, for a very big reason, which we'll get into, uh, Damon Wayne's Junior plays a character called called Coach, and he's the the third roommate. Um, and I like him in this. Uh, I think he's I think he's funny. Um, he's kind of playing like the sort of the the much more macho like uh, sports guy, almost. Um, you know, it's established that he's a personal trainer or something, and you know he's very into fitness and sports, and that's it. <laughs> I really like Dame, Dame Wayne, Wayne Junior. Actually, in almost everything I see him in, I think he's yeah, he's absolutely. just like a really he's a, he's one of the is he that guy, isn't he? That he's in quite a lot, yeah. and you're like, oh look, it's him. Um, and I just think he's he's great in this. Really, really like. He's on, he's like a, he's like the, the the grown up, but also completely unhinged at the same time. He's um, just like emotionally closed off and yes. incapable of. There's a moment where Jess is lying on the on the sofa like crying, and they're all in the kitchen whispering and tittering and being like, "What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I don't have to deal with this." And Coach goes, "Right, I'll deal with it." And he goes and he sort of like goes, "Shut up!" Like she's a dog or something. And it's kind of like I think that scene more than anything else really sort of epitomizes. And then and it doesn't work, and he's like sort of like runs away. <laughs> Yeah, he's in um, Happy Endings. Yes, and so we'll might as well talk about this now, Sam. Actually, uh, yeah, well, like, can I, I just a, a bit of trivia? Happy Endings is is again. Well, it's a very very similar show to this. It's like, and and I'd and I'd characterize both of these shows as like hipster friends. Is kind of how, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen Happy Endings. Oh, you should. It's it, really really funny. It's I'm a, hoping it's about a massage parlor. Please, 
No, no, it's not. I can't <sighs> say it is. No. God damn it! But he's in that, and he plays a kind of similar type of character. He's one of the one of the the, the male characters in in that ensemble. It's a really really funny show, and I think it, he it was part of the reason why uh, Damon Wayne Jr. Joe Damon Wayne Jr. is only in the pilot, um, which is because Dave. So um, the show that you just mentioned, which is named before it, it's gone. Happy endings. Uh, happy endings. They just they just finished their first season when this, this was being sort of shopped around and cast, and there was talk of them getting cancelled. Uh, so he signed on to do this with the idea that his other show would be cancelled, so this would be his new show. Um, but then after they filmed the pilot, um, Happy Endings was renewed for a second season. I think it went for three or perhaps three. four seasons. Three. three. Um, so, like, obviously he said, you know, oh, I can't be in it now. So um, what they did, interestingly, is that they wrote him off the show, which they wrote him off the show after one pilot episode and 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 cast a new a new roommate as a, as a separate distinct character who also happens to be black because we have to have a black character in a tv show it's 2011 um and so that's a pretty funny like quite often that's not the case you would have you know after a pilot a lot of series would would make the choice that you would just recast the actor and just and just you know assume that your audience won't care yeah i really like that choice i really like it just from a it's good for a lot of reasons. I, I mean, think. number one, like let's not just replace one black guy with another black guy and call him the same character because that's I think that's important. Yeah, that's that, that's important. But ne- never mind that. I also like the fact that they end up talking about the other character quite a lot um, because Winston, who who comes into the second episode, um, who is played by um, Lamorne Morris, I think. I think you're right. I haven't written it down. Something like that, I, yeah. So I think yeah. so. He's in the second episode, and they're like, he, I think he comes back from playing basketball. And I think Latvia. they're all college friends. That's how they know each yeah. other. Yeah, and they're, and um, they're just think, they're just referencing. Oh yeah, coach had to leave. He had to go yeah. and do whatever. And it's just, I really like that as a as a as a nice continuity thing. And then Damon Wayne Jr. actually comes back for what I think a season, and then he's for he's a recurring character. Like he basically like breaks up with his girlfriend Dan. And so then he just sort of like is at the apartment all the time because he hasn't got anything 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 else to do because he's sort of at a loss and that's kind of a recurring plot through, I think season four, yeah. And then after that he comes back as a regular, which is really and they keep the rest of the cast as well, and he's this really good addition because, and I love that like economy of writing where they didn't throw this character away, you know, because a lot of series like uh, we did the Seinfeld episode, there's a character in that that never comes back. And, and lots of pilots are characters that you never ever see again and they, they didn't throw him away they thought you know we like this guy we work well with him you know and then obviously when his other season got cancelled they were like we'll come on back yeah which is good which I think is I think is um, it's, it's very wholesome it's very wholesome it's nice it's a nice family feel yeah. there isn't it um, so new it's girl it's pretty cool so this this is a we, we watched this and we were texting beforehand <laughs> and we were really really trying I watched it twice because we ended up watching one episode and then we ended up watching Seven episodes. Well, Sam, I won't surprise you in that um, I watched 24 episodes. <laughs> in two since, days. Since yesterday lunchtime <laughs> when I started well watching. Done, Dave. Well done, I had an unexpected half day yesterday, so I, I decided to sit down and watch the pilot. Yeah. And then, like you said, it's, it's, it's very good. I like this series. and This isn't the first time I've done this. And then I just kept watching it. And, and then, so what I had to do was go back and actually rewatch the pilot again for the second yeah. time in, in 24 hours because I was worried that I'd blur, and we're already doing it already, but I was worried I'd completely blur 
the, the, um, the what happens in the pilot for the rest of the series. Um, and so this is, I think this is probably the best pilot we've watched and probably the best show we've watched, you know, so far in terms of like the yeah, first definitely episodes. All round, I think this this pilot is pretty much tonally on form for the show, I think. Um, before we talk about it, though, I think I want to talk a little bit about uh, Elizabeth Merriweather, who, who wrote Ooh, it. Yes. Because it's just logical to talk about it now. Before we just gush about how much we love this show, we should gush about how much we love the person who wrote this show. <laughs> so it's written by Elizabeth Merriweather, and it's kind of like um, the pitch. I, I know you talked about it earlier, but I'm going to steal it from you. Um, was that it was this offbeat girl is moving in with three guys, uh, and initially she titled it Chicks and Dicks. <laughs> Uh, which I think is a hilarious name. I'm glad there was a, a studio note on that saying, Elizabeth, I mean, we, we'll maybe not use that title. You yeah, know? the Midwest is an important audience and they'll see dicks in the TV guy and that's <laughs> it. They'll never watch our channel again. And I think that's that's the that's the, that's the the issue. Um, but Elizabeth Merriweather, uh, who I don't know from a ton of other stuff apart from this, and she directed a film, she wrote and directed a film, No Strings Attached, for the, the same year this came out. She didn't direct um, it. It was directed by our, oh, not directed. Sorry, our um, fairy godfather, Ivan Reitman. Yes, oh, fairy, I think our fairy godfather. How familial. Wonderful. Well, he, um, he's, sorry, he's, yes. he's got Meatballs, Kindergarten Cop, Strike. Why, why start with Meatballs, Sam? Why, why use that as, as a reason? Anyway, um, Elizabeth Merriweather, sorry, wrote No Strings Attached, which is a Ashton Kutcher, Natalie Portman uh, rom-com. So I haven't seen it because it's not really like... Um, my thing but well, we should uh, add it to the list i think i think we should watch it because it's supposed to be it's pretty well received and jake johnson's in it and that's like i said that's how he got the role in this that they specifically wanted him for the nick role because they liked him in that um anyway uh so elizabeth merriweather who when she wrote new girl was 29 years old which for those listeners who may or may not exist is younger than we are <laughs> Um, yeah. So that was a bit sobering. Um, we, we are pathetic failures, aren't we? Really, we you know, how many, how many, failures. how many successful uh, Golden Globe-nominated TV shows have you written, Dave? Written or produced? Because <laughs> the answer for both may surprise you. It's not. Okay, yeah, I think it's zero. I think In my head, zero. though, while I'm trying to go to sleep, a thousand. <laughs> And standing ovations for all of them. So she did. She did. Uh, no string attached. And then from there was actually offered a, um, a, 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 you know, a show through Fox. And it just shows you how, like, you, you get one, one, one good thing, and and you get a pretty me- uh, meteoric rise. Um, and it's great to see that. I think it's great to see that type of um, decision making where someone's given such backing. To, to, to make something based on quite a, a unitary vision as well. It's, you know, this is a yeah, show it's about really her cool. experiences. And it's, and it's, I'm really glad it obviously succeeded and, and she got to write this because obviously, um, like I said, she sort of tried to base this on her own experiences of, you know, being in her late 20s or, you know, her 20s in LA and kind of like, I've been in this situation, I'm not sure you, you ever have, where like you need somewhere to live and you need it yesterday. And so you just end up moving into a shared house with a bunch of strangers and like and obviously this is what this show is about um but it's drawing on her personal experience of doing that and just saying like you know i need a house it needs to be in this area it needs to be this much and that's it really like if if, though, if you can fulfill those criteria i'll move in uh and uh so it's pretty and i think you know obviously that lends itself to why it's you know i think quite dead on with with the way that these characters interact and and everything like that 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so from there she she kind of um, teamed up with a few a few folks. There's some thirty um, rock showrunners in here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's people that have have really kind of done a lot of this type of work before. And I think that's part of the success of this is that there's a really good back office, um, and it looks like a team of writers that were quite close knit. There was quite a lot of um, kind of workshopping episodes, you know, it really did. It's almost a bit old fashioned in that sense, a bit like The Simpsons, where you've got a massive team of writers. I think there was 15 or 16 writers. And, yeah. You know, all of them were passing <laughs> Almost like the writers were in Dirty Rock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is obviously <laughs> parodying. And I think that it, that yeah. is that still happens, but but maybe, maybe now there's much more of a, you know, single auteur version of TV where it's like some someone's vision and then they take it forward and that's it. And, I like the visionary show Two Broke Girls. I'm sure that's only written by about three people. Yeah, Two Broke Girls. Yeah, so I think there's a good there's a good um, there's a good production system here that's working. It is, well. and we talked we've we talked on one of the other episodes about how like sometimes a really key thing for having successful series is is being lucky with the people you get together for it, and that that's as true for back office, like you said, as it is for your mate your, your actors. Uh, if you get a group of people who work well together and who you know. I wouldn't say like each other because I couldn't say as to how true that is of the back office for this. But you know, if you get a group of people who work well together, then you're going to have more success than if you didn't. Even if you've got the best idea ever, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the idea behind this isn't particularly revolutionary. No. You know, it's, it's four people sharing a sharing a house. One of one of the writers is um, Jake Kasdan, who, if your brain is tingling away, saying, "Oh, I recognise that name." He's Lawrence the son, son. Of, yeah. of Lawrence Kasdan, yeah, who wrote Empire Strikes Back um, and many, many other great films. And he, I think Mary Weather has been quoted as saying that um, he's he was crucial because of his, his experience and his kind of knowledge. And, and I think that's, it's, it's great to see, again, that collaboration um, in action for TV shows where sometimes that doesn't happen. Like you say, you don't bring the right yeah. people in the room and you end up with something that's, you know, less um, exactly because success, especially less clever. You know, I'm sure this wasn't the show that Meriwether envisaged when she thought of it, but it's that obviously that melting pot of having um, Kasdan involved. And um, I think I read that he'd he was more much more responsible for the sort of maybe not dark is maybe not the word, but the sort of the darker tone of this than than maybe you know something a bit more upbeat like How I Met Your Mother. It's and he apparently that was him that he came in and. And and just made it that little bit. There's no laugh track to this. It's not. Do you know what I mean? It's not. It's not trying to make you laugh every two seconds. It's it's just a little bit more introspective than that. And apparently that's mostly Kasdan's influence. Mm. That aspect I, of the show. And I think there's there's little touches. Um, and it comes to the production again. You know, it, it does feel much more cinematic in terms of I think the cameras. So there's an, you know they mentioned that they didn't use any um, handheld cameras. So you get much more of that static feel. A bit yeah. more like cinema. I think the whole, you know, what, whatever lenses they're using or whatever they're doing post-production, there's a, there's a lovely warmth around all of it that's really nice, and kind of nice use of depth of field and all that. So you, you get much more of that film feel, which, you know, maybe maybe um, uh, Kasdan has got his dad's influence there in terms of that background. Potentially, and yeah. His background I mean, like well, like you said, it, it looks wonderful. It's, it's shot really nicely and obviously... Um, the color palette's really good, and it's it's not too bright, but it is LA, so it is quite bright. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's not uh, it's not oversaturated with color. It's quite, you know, 
it looks really crisp. It's a very it's a very nice show to, for your eyeballs. And that's true of the um, that's true especially of, of you know the pilot, which I think is a good a good sign when the, when the pilot looks as good as the rest of it. It doesn't look as you know grainy and and, and maybe no, I don't think I don't think there's a like you said like you said Sam. It's it, this is much more this from the, from this to episode two. There are very few like changes really. Uh, I think it largely looks the same, and 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 the, you know the quality was there in the pilot, both on the writing side and and on the production side. Yeah. So the other aspect of this, I think, that's really really good. We've met, we've touched on it, but it's it's the individual arcs that the, all of the characters go through, and I'll, I'll just do a very quick summary of the plot just so yeah. we understand. So we we end up first thing we see is we see Jess being interviewed by the other three. Can she live in the apartment? She said they they get her in, and. From there, we see Jess kind of moping because she's actually kind of bouncing back or trying to bounce back from a breakup where some well, someone cheated on her, boyfriend cheated on her. And then we kind of also see Nick. His his issue is that he's um, he's trying to do the same thing, but much more he's, longer term. He's, he's moving like, after an, an ex-girlfriend who I think broke up with him over a year ago, I think. Something it's like that, an older, yeah. Yeah. Except he keeps phoning her in different accents, pretending to be someone else. <laughs> you know, so. he keeps getting drunk and phoning her, and it's kind of it's kind of funny. And so, what we see as the episode comes to a conclusion is that he gets a chance to um, go have a drink with the ex girlfriend, who's being all friendly and nice now. And this is kind of what she does: she strings him along, and then that's it, um, breaks his heart again. And all the other characters get to go to this really cool party that she's organising. The ex girlfriend, that is, and. It ends up that Jess is going out with someone who then just leaves her and dumps her again, and it's not the you know it's not the bounce back that she's looking for. And instead of going to um, the party, and instead of Nick going to chat with his his, his temptation, the ex girlfriend, they all run and they go and look after Jess instead. Yeah, he and, says like, oh, "I'm really sorry, a friend needs me," and it's yeah. as simple as that. And it's and it's and a really sweet moment for it's, for the it's show. It's great. And what you get, and well, how you finish the, the the episode is them all in a restaurant. Well, well, where Jess has been stood up, singing "I'm having the time of your life" um, from Dirty Dancing, terribly, text. intentionally terribly. Yeah, oh, it's so um, terrible. And it's but so, you're glossing so over Sam the funniest joke in the episode. Go on. Which is when they arrive, um, and she's obviously she's been waiting in this restaurant, which is a clacotropy thing in sitcoms or in films generally. She's been waiting in this restaurant for ages. She's been crying. She's eating all the bread. The waitress has asked her to leave, um, and they all arrive and and they go, "Oh, we're here." And she goes, "Oh, you're her dates." And then um, uh, Jake Jake Johnson Nick goes. Um, Yep, all of us were reverse Mormons. Uh, one man is just not enough for this woman, and, and it all comes out. It's a very well delivered line, and and you just have this waitress sort of like doesn't know how to respond, to so just sort of like awkwardly like turns and runs away, and they sit down, and it's just like I think I will get back to your arc thing in a minute because it is important, but not having a laugh track in this episode it makes it so breathable. Like if you had if you had this this same show, but you had a laugh track. This the entire scene that follows this would be so drowned out in the uproarious laugh, laughter from that joke that you know you couldn't then have like any emotional weight, and and it's really clever. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and that and that kind of yeah, that, those production choices really make a difference, don't they? You know, so 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 yeah, we've got this we've got this nice kind of single story, and and it kind of mirrors what happens later on in, in the rest of the show, but. I think it's it's such a brilliant, brilliant little um, arc that they put the the characters through, and I think it just ties things up so well. At the beginning, you get this lovely setup with 
the parallel between Jess and Nick and they're both kind of wallowing and they're both a bit rubbish. Um, and then you see them, you see them both trying, you see them both trying to be different and trying to break out of this loop. And actually, what they what they end up realizing is they kind of need, um, they need to rely on each other, and that's the that's the kind of core final message of the episode, isn't it? And I just yeah. think it does a really really good job in a way that a lot of pilots don't try this hard, and that's where I think the quality of the writing really really comes through here, and also the quality of relying. Uh, the, the ability of of the um, writers to rely on their own experiences, um, it just makes it feel so real and so authentic in a way that I think a lot of pilots just skip over, especially twenty two minute ones where they haven't got the time to invest as much into the characters. Exactly, exactly, and it's it's just good like that, and and um, yeah, I really love it. I would, we talked about this, but it's. I, I watched this, this for a second time today and tried to be really critical and, and there really is a lot to pick at in this pilot um, either plot wise or production wise it's like you said it's probably the best pilot we've watched across the board it ticks a lot of boxes you get introduced to all these characters in, in you know you get every, every everyone gets their sort of like their scene and then you have the big save the cat moment for Nick at the end where he's you know says no to having a drink with his ex-girlfriend and you know, before that, Jess is sort of like talking to him about exes generally, and and maybe giving him, you know, provided him with maybe a route to some closure because he asks his ex girlfriend, she's like, oh, well, why did we break up? And you know, he'd never thought to ask before, and it's kind of a nice arc for Nick, in that, you know, that's separate to all the rest of the cast. That's just a him thing. And then she says, oh well, blah 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 blah, and it, largely, largely it's because he's you know emotionally unavailable, and it's kind of a moment for him where he's can maybe take that and move forward which he does obviously throughout the season um and then knows that it's more important to go and help his friend because she cared to you know listen to what he said and say you know actually man you know maybe you should think about you mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of that good back and forth like that emotional support net that they establish in you know the first few days of this woman living with them and it feels very even though it's all quite small it feels very significant doesn't it but it's it, nice to have it's nice to have a plot that isn't like bananas, you know. Yeah, it's nice to have a grounded plot where all of these people have like you know, considering they're all sharing a loft, they all have like relatively schlubby jobs. Like Jess is a teacher, um, Schmidt works in marketing, Nick's a barman, Winston is mostly unemployed, uh, coach is a, a coach, you know. They all just have like they're all just working, and it's not really a factor. It's not you know maybe like Friends for instance is a show where you know, quite a few of the characters have these like high flying careers halfway through it and you never really get this in New Girl. It's it's never really about that. Yeah, it's a show from the early two thousands. Not nobody had like decent jobs, you know, this is like a well, millennial. Two thousand and eleven, Sam. It's, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. We've, we've so we've, we're well into the economic crisis by this yeah. point. <laughs> but it's also a little bit older, I wanted to say but it's it's not been organic, but it's as opposed to Friends, and we will continue to refer everything back to Friends because it's kind of like this seminal piece of work that lasted for a decade. Yeah, it's um, the Pangea, isn't it? Of our like, it really is, yeah. yeah. Of like, especially this kind of like, this, 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 you know, modern twenty first century family of friends, you know, mm-hmm. and and obviously friends is the sort of you know the source of a lot of that on TV, and so friends is much more, especially when it starts, is much more about these characters being in their early twenties and like, you know, putting their first steps towards finding jobs and you know having long term relationships and by and large. 
and whereas New Girl is much more about that, you know, that thirty to forty sort of like age. Um, I think think most of these most of the, these actors are sort of playing around sort of twenty eight, twenty nine, and yeah. it's much more about that sort of like we've got jobs and now we you know now we're just trying to sort out personal lives and. You it's know, that it's that transition, isn't it, from being in you know being like they 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 sometimes act like they're still in their twenties and they're trying to have that crazy life and then actually what you see most of the time and this is so realistic is them just slobbed on the sofa watching a movie you know that's the that's the that's the shot that's always there as I've I think you're referring to my uni experience. Yes, that's true. Yeah, but the, <laughs> you you experienced much more than that as well, if I remember right, Dave. Um, so I think there's 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 a good there's a nice truth to that. I think that's again, we spoke about friends having, being about truth in trying to find that. And I think what this show does is has you know really captures the the essence of being in the in the, in the thirties. Um, the the other thing as well that I really like about it is that it's kind of offbeat, and it's it, it's kind of a lot of it's rejecting kind of mainstream views. And the example, and we've spoken about already, but the example of Schmidt, who um, he's, you know, he's a bit of a bro, he's a bit of a douchebag, and every time he says something, you know, <laughs> broy, even when he says, "Hey, my boys," and like, and they're like, "What? What is that? Is that? That's not a thing." And what they do is they have a douchebag jar, and so yeah. he acts. He he acts like Joey does in in nineties Friends, and he acts kind of like he's 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 a bit lecherous and a bit, you know, like. Okay, that's you know you just took your top off in front of a random woman that you've only just met. Like that's not good. He does that twice. Yeah, twice. twice. <laughs> yeah. So you could you could quite quickly think, oh, here we go. Here's just another. However, what they what they do to counterpoint it, and I think if they don't have this, it's really really not. It's it's it really changes it. They have a douchebag jar, where they the other characters say to him, dude, no, no, what are you doing? Dollar in the jar. It's it's like a swear, it's like a swear jar, isn't it? It's, yeah, and it's and I think that is such a. It's obviously it's incredibly funny and it's a nice little punchline at the end, at the end of everything everything stupid that it does, but also I think it just it kind of adds to this this theme throughout the and you see this throughout the whole show. It's kind of countercultural. It's you know it's a little bit of a rejection of the mainstream and it's trying to um, shine a light on some of the things that end up being you know like bro culture. A bit naff and a bit, which you know, is like problematic totally and... 2011. Uh, you know, uh, we talked about the sort of um, the juxtaposition of uh, this and uh, How I Met Your Mother, which I think we should do at some point because it'll kind of like round out the you know, um, groups of friends sitcoms <laughs> from yeah. the last 25 years. Yeah, uh, but in that show, you've got kind of like a an, a broy character in that who's like the guy who's always you know hitting on girls and. And he has this, and he's always spouting rubbish and, and Barney, but it's not as introspective as a New Girl, where like very, people very rarely call him on it. He's the cool like, guy. He's exactly. the cool guy because he's a it's, bro and because he's hitting on women all the time, and and that's the joke is that look yeah. how cool this guy is because he's so good woman. Whereas in New Girl, the joke is look how much of a weird loser this guy is because he's trying yeah. to hit on this model that he's only just look met, what or he's just taking his t-shirt off and he thinks this that's guy impressive. is, and like and his friends know it. And call him on it, and I think that's really important. And I, I could get a really good, again, a really good like note on life of you know we we all have friends who go through these, you know, because it's established that Schmidt's trying to sort of like make himself this guy, and and these people have known him for a long time, and they're like no. <laughs> and actually, we see he's completely, um, he's he's, I think in in the later episode, 
Cece, the model, um, they end up having staying over and she just sleeps in his bed and they don't do anything else. And he's like, oh, I, I don't like sleeping alone. And she, you know, she puts her guard down and says, oh, yeah, me neither. And then she holds his hand, not in a romantic way, just in a like comforting way. And she, you know, she says, if you know, if you tell anyone I held your hand, I'll kill you. And he's like, so happy with that. I think he, I think he <laughs> says, I closed. I, yeah, I did it. I did it, bro. And all he's talking about is holding a hand, and he's quite happy. Exactly. Like you see throughout the throughout the season, he's quite a vulnerable character, and I think all of these characters are in their own way. You know, Schmidt's quite vulnerable emotionally perhaps in that like he refuses to act like he has feelings but he really does um nick's vulnerable because he's chronically stupid um but it's it's maybe made fun of a bit less than um a weaker show would um and winston to be perfectly honest is also chronically quite stupid um but mostly he's just chronically um what's the word here a failure (laughs) Mm, yeah um so it's it's kind of in, it's kind of interesting to see these like two sided and I think we talked about this when we were texting like you can really tell that this this show is written by a woman um, mm. because you get you tend to get a more three dimensional male character um, and I know obviously she I don't think she wrote every single episode and every single line of dialogue but but like having that core of you know this is this is what the character is like and you know this is how they're going to act is 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 much more true to life than maybe some of the male uh, portrayals that we get on TV. Yeah, which can be like, quite, like you said, can be quite broy and can be teaching young men maybe the wrong lessons, like Barney from How I Met Your Mother being maybe the best example of that. Yeah, of and, you know, and, Sch- and Schmidt, Schmidt is like he's the guy who watched Friends in the nineties, and then that is like archetypal. Um, Joey is his archetypal character. Do you know, he's, yeah. he's who's basing on, and I think you're right that in that, it's much more realistic because it's written, you know, or, or at least show ran by by a, a woman. I think. Rather than it being like, oh, he's all soppy because he, you know, he wants to pick flowers all day or anything like that, it's not. It's actually just much more of a fully fledged character. Exactly. Um, it's never these these men having emotions is never played for laughs. That's never the funny thing, and I think that's a real strength yeah. of it. You know, the funny thing is there's them no, trying to. There's no gay it. jokes in this about them having feelings. They're not like, you know, oh, bro, what are you gay? Or there's nothing none of that, which I think maybe a show from even like ten years earlier would make those. You know, those would make those jokes. And and would be that would be the funny thing is like oh look at this loser with his feelings and whereas this just chooses to be a little bit cleverer and a little bit well when did the Charlie Sheen nuanced. show um, two and a half men finish when did that <laughs> I don't know when it finished but I want to say it aired it started airing about two thousand five two thousand six but I will if you talk some nonsense I'll check no I'm talking nonsense already so um, yeah two thousand fifteen so I mean that is like there's your bro show. <laughs> You know that's that, that's 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 when it ended. So I think you're really yeah. So doing... maybe this is really early for like, like it being counter that because there are loads of bro characters in this series like throughout, and Schmidt kind of remains a bit broy. But you know from this first episode, it's kind of like God, look at these losers and how horrible they are to their supposed friends and everyone. And isn't this awful? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, this is an excellent show, and you should definitely go and watch it. And we are going to continue watching. Um, or until season seven, which like, I've never seen, so I'm very excited to to dive Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I've seen season seven because I think it wasn't on streaming because it only came out last year, only aired last year. Um, so it's so it's very recent. Although well, that is finished now, finished, and there'll be no more, um, which I think is fair. Uh, you know, seven seasons over ten years is, is pretty reasonable. Yeah, very good, very good. 
So let's wrap up and I don't know if you have looked at it. I didn't look at it. Is the Bechdel test? Um, considering I watched this twice. I'm scanning um, my brain now trying to think. Cece and Jess, they talk a bit. Yes and no. Uh, about, I, I, don't, think I don't think it does. I don't think on it does the one-line exchange, possibly, but probably not, because pretty much every conversation they have is about the ex-boyfriend, the date she's going on, or one of you know, or the new roommates, and I think that's due to the nature of this plot. I would, I would hazard a guess that almost every other episode will pass, but I don't think this one does. I think you're right. I think you're right. Prove us wrong, listener. Prove us wrong, but we're yeah. going to go with that. Um, and just as a teaser for a future show, which um, I'm going to talk you into, this is the, my top like apartment on a sitcom I want to live in. <laughs> Um, I, I really love I really love the high ceilings. I really love the sort of industrial look to this, the sliding doors. Right. My my, um, my only my only counter to that is it's in LA, so this doesn't really you know this this doesn't really work. But that I live does, on a set in LA. I don't care. No, no, no. I only, I only need no, no, two no, walls. That's is, fine. No, what I'm saying is is that it, if the, if this apartment isn't in LA, you're gonna have a hell of a time heating it. I mean, there's no <laughs> there's no double glazing. It's all going to be electric heat. It's probably Sam, so. It's going to cost you a fortune. To, do you have to relentlessly, so relentlessly, drag me down to the quagmire of of self-loathing every a- every single absolutely week? Absolutely, I do. Can you not absolutely just let me? Can you not just let me watch this and think, God, I love that apartment. I love the size of the rooms. I'm not. I'm not ecstatic about the two urinals in the bathroom, to be honest. But you know, that's the only thing that is maybe you know a bit. Ugh, that's a bit much. <laughs> Um, well, well, we can we can have we can do a special episode one day where we rank the top top five apartments in TV, and I would I'd hazard that Seinfeld would be as low as possible because that's a terrible. That's one. a shit hole. It's really bad. Um, Friends is pretty good, although always sunny. The girls' apartment in Friends is really good. Yeah, yeah, um, but not so much the other one. Right, let's save the, let's save this precious um, Patreon exclusive content for another time. Yeah, if you want to listen this to listen to this, please uh, mail some cash to my PO box. Um, I'm trying to live off grid at the minute, so mostly um, mostly coins, mostly coins, mostly coins. You've got to really have some weight in it. I want the post office to really inspect that parcel. <laughs> right, well there we go, new girl. That was that was fun, and um, I mean I'm looking forward to doing something as equally good as this next week. Well, it's my pick, so it almost certainly won't be oh, as good as this. Um, but we'll see you next week. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Sam. Who's that girl?